Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coding. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learnt from it. There might be a few noises across the background of this recording. So on my end, there's a vacuum cleaner going at one point. On Phoebe's end, there's a builder, there's a gardener. Um, there's a baby in mine at some point. My husband decides to make a smoothie. Yep. <laughs> with yep. a very loud blender. <laughs> this is commissions interrupted. First, Phoebe, how are you? I am good. I am good. I have had two coffees, so I am feeling really pepped up and <laughs> ready to chat. <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe's going to be talking extra fast today. <laughs> Yeah, you might need to put me on half speed. (laughs) (laughs) Wrapped up a painting that I sold and I did it in record time, which was, you know, really good. Yeah, I sort of feel like I'm getting my system down pat now with with packing. Although, you know, I say that and then yesterday it took me two and a half hours to package up four prints. So I don't quite know. They take ages because I'm really worried about... Yeah, is it two and a half hours? You're asking the wrong question. Shipping is not my strong suit. Yeah, you had a bit of a shipping fail this week didn't you yeah it was my best and worst moments were shipping this week <laughs> do you want to speak about that or just move on and we'll save that for another should we save it for another episode yeah let's save it for another episode because i mean these days when i have fails part of me is like oh man <laughs> stuff that up again and the other, the other half part of me is, is like oh, i've got some fodder for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i know it's literally the only reason i want to do a podcast on failure is so that i don't have like every single way issue um, becomes trauma it just becomes a podcast chat uh, yeah so that was my morning and um yeah I've got sort of a juicy project that I'm working on um with uh, creating quite a few paintings for a exciting new adventure which I will reveal in good time um so yeah it's been really nice to kind of sink my teeth into that and get get some lovely hours in the studio this week what about you Julie how's your 
day going? My day's going all right. I've been able to get some time in the studio, which is always fantastic. It's not quite so reliable at the moment. What else? You're working on a commission at the moment? I'm working on a huge commission at the moment. It's two metres by 1.5 metres and I'm really excited about it. Um, So that's quite nice. Um, Yeah, relevant for the old chat today. Yeah. Is that your biggest one? For a while, I had one that was maybe 1.8 by 1.6, so probably about the same dimensions overall. That's that is so big. Yeah, which is, is that bigger than you? Like yeah, well and truly, I have to. I've got a ladder, a little and step, I, step ladder. Yeah, and I usually they've both been tall, um, and I've been painting them both horizontally because I can't. Otherwise, it's just up and down on the ladder, which can get quite hard to. I don't paint best on a ladder. No, I'm not that coordinated. <laughs> No, I don't think I'd be terribly good on a ladder if I'm honest. <laughs> painting, or just generally. I, we're both. What midgets, are, what aren't are we? you? How tall are you? Uh, one fifty-six or something oh, yeah. like that. I think I might be one fifty-six. I only know in inches. Nice, one five foot two. I have told myself and told other people for years that I was five four. Five four. And a while ago, I <laughs> met someone and they were like, "You ain't five four. I'm five four. And I was like. Oh, I've been lying. <laughs> no, I think I'm five foot two, maybe five foot two and a half on a good day. Yeah. Maybe with my hair, I'm <laughs> Maybe you counted your mum bum. <laughs> so, well, I'll ask you first then. Commissions, that's they're quite a big part of your your kind of um, painting um, income, are they at the moment? Yeah, they make up probably about a third of my work. This year they'll probably make up a lot less. I've taken a lot less on board while I've got Elfie just because anything with the time commitment involved, I'm trying to be a bit more sensitive about. I hate telling people I'm running late. And so Mm. while I just, I don't know how much Elfie's going to sleep, I keep telling myself he's going to be an excellent sleeper, but I don't Mm -hmm. think you can will it to happen, unfortunately. Really? You can't? (laughs) You just stroke their nose, don't you? (laughs) Doesn't work. And you're getting 12 hours sleep a night and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Getting 12 hours sleep a week. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I'll ask you first then. Did you do commissions straight away as soon as you sort of started painting again or how did that happen? Uh, No, they they grew slowly over time, sort of as people got to know my work. So it um, it has become a bigger part of my work these days, which is, I mean, it's a mixed blessing. Part of me loves them and part of me always still feels a little bit anxious about them. I'm I'm glad that I do them and actually these day this this year I know this isn't a podcast about great things about commissions but this year I've had two of my absolute favorites where I've had clients come and just say I love what you do you can decide and I went oh okay wow yeah that's lovely but then I ended up checking in with them anyway because yeah I was going to just say I've take that's take it's taken a while to get to that point and so at the beginning when you first got sort of asked to do commissions how did you feel and and what mistakes did you kind of make do you think if I'm really honest, I don't think I actually enjoyed doing them at all in the beginning. I had so much anxiety over the fact that the client might not like the end product because they hadn't seen it yet. And mm-hmm. I put stuff in place these days to make that, to sort of take some of that anxiety away because it's really important to me that I love what I do. And if I'm not enjoying it, then I kind of feel like even though financially it can mm. be slightly better to do commissions, I don't, I don't want to be stuck not enjoying something. Yeah. I don't think anxiety is going to be going to help you make your best creation, is it? No, exactly. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. But then I've had lots of little blips and errors and failures as well, like mm-hmm. all of all of the things. 
do you want to speak about say what what do you feel like at the beginning you you didn't do that you probably should or you have started to do since the biggest thing I think was having a process so I think when you're just starting out you don't even know what you need to include in a commission email or Mm -hmm. a form and so it was sort of figuring that stuff out to begin with and then it was I had a few early on where I'd put in a lot of work so maybe you know sometimes even up to 20 emails with a client a phone prior call to or two. even any yeah, prior money to even coming. any deposit so that's quite a lot of time right. and then I've had yeah. one client in particular just ghosted me never heard back was like oh okay so this is why I should take a deposit earlier on because it's quite a big time investment like a time is a bit of a scarce resource and when you've got yeah I, I it's hard not to feel a little bit annoyed when that sort of stuff happens. Yeah. So again, it's sort of just putting a process in place. I take a deposit at this stage and then we talk about that more. It's interesting because when we asked for any feedback from the listeners, so many people talked about being ghosted by clients. What about you? What's been, um, I know commissions aren't a huge part of your business, but have you had any commission fail? Yeah. So I don't really do them at the moment. I am thinking about whether or not I can start them again with my still life work. Um, but I did do them a lot when I was doing resin work. And I guess my fail was definitely not having any kind of framework in place. I didn't really have a kind of proper system. Like you say, you know, it was I was new to everything. I was learning as I went along. I did make a slight sort of probably uh, financial error in that I offered two, I, I made two versions of whatever the client commissioned um, because I was nervous. You know, they wouldn't like the end result. And so I always did kind of two pieces, but that meant it was sort of twice the workload and twice as expensive with materials and stuff. And then... did you, What did you do with the second one? Well, I would always um, sell that in the end, but sometimes they didn't always sell straight away. So then they would be sitting there for, for a while, you know? Um, I was actually thinking that's not quite, quite a it good... Was, it, like it was it was good, but it, I was it was back in the, the beginning when resin was still quite expensive as a outsource so right as a so your yeah, outlay was my outlay was right quite yeah. a lot and you know there was a quite a bit of pressure riding on the fact that the, the second one had to sell and I remember this one particular one that I did well like I said that I was going to make two pieces but what they heard was okay I can ask for two different ones then I can pick the best one the one I like yeah. most but they were very different one one was a very different color palette from the other one um, but, but so effectively, if I was going to do those well, then I would have done four. You know what I mean? But I didn't. I was like, oh yeah, okay, fine. You know, I'll do one in the this colorway and one in this colorway. Um, and they were they were also quite yeah they were quite different images that they selected and showed me. I struggled with one of them getting it how they like that you know how they wanted it to be because they had sent me a photo of because these are just a give some context these were kind of um ocean inspired so mostly aerial aerial photography sort of ocean inspired resin pieces so imagining you're looking at the sea from above and so what they hadn't sort of said i like this piece of your art can you do something similar to that they had said this is a photo that they liked and can you do something similar to this and of course i wanted to you know say yes and i i mean i got there in the end and they were really happy but it just took a lot of toing and froing because I allowed them to see sort of every step of the way. So every single time I did a layer, I would take a photograph, send it to them, ask them what they thought, and then they would give their feedback of like, oh, 
I think maybe there's a bit too much white here or, you know, could you use more of a different color over here? And then I would go back and do another layer and then, but this kind of kept That's going intense. and I didn't give them a, a number, a finite number of what times I would do this. So it literally just, it felt like it kept going and going and I really wanted them to be happy, obviously. And they weren't, you know, they weren't horrible about it or anything like that. Um, but it meant that I was working on this one piece doing so many layers far more than I would have probably uh, wanted to do and like I say because of the nature of resin it's a very expensive medium to use every single layer that you use you're using you know potentially up to 100 200 dollars worth of material and when you've oh my God. you know like depending on the size it depends on the size obviously um but I'm using a lot of material here and I, don't forget I'm doing another one at the same time <laughs> And yeah, I just realized I dug myself in this hole that I couldn't really get out of. Um, and financially, it probably wasn't my best move. But, you know, at the end, they were really happy and they loved, you know, they loved the piece. And, you know, I had lovely feedback from them. But I felt like, gosh, that was a bit of a silly thing to do to give them so much creative control, basically. I completely yeah. gave my creative control to them and said, like, rather than like how I would have painted like oh here's an image and I'll try and paint something similar in like color and feel to this because resin yeah. is like it's a fluid medium you know it moves and you don't really have that much control over it like it's not like a painting that you're doing of like a bunch of bananas you have to just hope that the the way you're heating it with the heat gun and whatever it's all going to move where you want it to go but there is like the whole point of it is there's this element of serendipity and um chance that makes it magical and special you know and unique uh but but in order to make this client happy you know I had to be so specific about where I was putting things and then if the chance didn't go in my favor then I had to basically redo that layer um so in hindsight I yeah I think I should have said okay um I should have outlaid a bit more about how my process was and how many changes they could make. And if they weren't happy, then, you know, here's the other one that I'm doing. And, you know, if you yeah. don't like either of them, then fine. Did you change anything after that? I basically didn't really do many commissions. That was probably one of the last ones I did where I, you know, I thought, yeah, actually, this is kind of not as enjoyable and not really why I wanted to do this because I'm not enjoying somebody else having the creative control over it. I did a couple more after that, I think, and I find it really hard. Like, I really didn't want anyone to have a piece of art that they weren't happy with. Um, so it was a really hard place to be in between wanting the client to be really, really happy, but at the same time knowing that I can't 100% control what I'm doing. So if I get yeah. it wrong, then I want to fix I want to do it again and it's not that there was a wrong but it's just like if they were like well actually there's too much kind of white going on you know I don't want to be like well that's your third time and you're not having another go so I would then want to do another layer and try and get it perfect you know so yeah. I felt like it was a it was yeah. a medium that didn't offer enough control over for me to enjoy the commission potentially what you needed to do was give yourself some limits and not them so instead of saying you give them three options to come to ask you to ask mm. for changes, you could have, do you know what I mean, shown them one progress image 
and then one image when you felt you were finished to say, this is what I think I've done. You know, this is what I've done. Are there any other changes you would like me to make? So instead of numbering Mm. it or a bit like not offering quite so many times. I think I'm just too much of a people pleaser. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've got to be comfortable and you've got to enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the... And so moving forward from that, um, I have done commissions with painting work. Um, and they have been fine and successful and like people have really enjoyed them, but I have found that I don't, well, this is before I sort of really got into my still life work. So we're still talking about like abstract landscapes. And I found like when I was doing the abstract, the abstract landscapes, I worked in a responsive way. So I would do a layer and then I would feel like, oh, how does that feel? And what, you know, what, 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 what do I feel like it needs next? And so I was always responding to the painting. And so when someone comes to you and says, I really like that painting that you did. Can you do another one similar to that? It's it's really hard. It's it's like, you know, when you've made a meal that's really lovely, when you've just like had random ingredients in the fridge and you haven't written the recipe down. And then you're like, I want to recreate that meal. <laughs> but you can't because you can't remember like what random ingredients were in your fridge that day. Um, that's kind of how it felt. And so I would try to create the same feel but there was a sort of flatness and a deadness to it the process that didn't um give me that same joy that that doing one for my own sort of yeah like pleasure did um but now I've gotten back into doing still life I I definitely feel like I could go down the route of commissions interestingly enough I think that doing commissions for the resin and your um, abstract landscapes would probably be harder than your still life yeah. purely because, and I'm just relating to how I do it, you've got a reference image that you can show people. It'll look like and feel like something like this. Yeah. And they'll know from that point, like, you know, you've kind of, you've shown them the rough composition, the rough sort of colours, yeah. and it's going to be a painting. It's not a picture. Yeah. And I, like, so there, I mean, it is slightly easier that way. When you started, were there any moments where you kind of, I don't know, failed doing a commission? I had one client who I felt unsure about from the beginning and I probably should have um, I pulled, I, to be honest, I probably should have pulled the pin early on. What was it like red flags that you picked up on? I think I compromised too much and so the image that I painted, the final composition, wasn't one that I was 100% on board for. And the entire time I didn't love doing that painting. And then even like after I was finished, I think it took her maybe four months to pay me for the balance. And that entire time, all I could think of was, is she actually going to take it or do I need to think about selling this to someone else? And it was, she did take the painting and it all worked out in the end, but I just didn't enjoy the process. And so I think start to finish, it would have been nine months from her first email and her receiving the work because I wouldn't send it until the balance was paid. But that's a long time to have something sort of hanging over your head and thinking, doesn't she like it? Is it because my work isn't good enough? But it was just too many doubts. And Do you have a sort of time frame now where you, so once you've completed the painting, is there like a, you need to pay by X amount? If not, then I'm going to refund you and put it for sale somewhere else or... I probably, after that experience, I probably should, but it's not something I've had with a lot of clients. And I feel like getting too cut and dry with everyone doesn't feel and people have different circumstances like I had someone the other day whose um, business didn't sell and so she didn't have access to funds and it was like well I still want her to get the painting but if she has to wait then she 
I'll wait. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. I probably should. The business savvy person would, but that's clearly not me. Julie person <laughs> doesn't want. Yeah. Um, so with your process now, uh, you know, talking about having 20 emails and then someone ghosts you, how soon do you take a deposit once someone's kind of gone, oh, seen the price, yeah, that feels good. She, they say, love, lovely, I'd like to go ahead. I would, you know, like a metre by metre one. Um, what's the next step? What's your response? Um, so, well, actually, I still do it wrong, technically. <laughs> That's all right. This is what we're doing. This is the point of the podcast. How you still fail, Julie? Um, so How are you still failing? I don't take a deposit until, um, I, I mean, wrong is subjective, I guess. Yeah. I still don't take a deposit until I've agreed on an image with the client. So I take a deposit at the stage where I'm going to need to start stop and buy materials. So I won't right. buy materials for anything until they've committed. Um, and I ask for a 20% deposit. But I do also say that the I want final say over the image as much as the client has final say. So I usually, after that first experience, won't put forward an image unless I really love it. Because at the end, if it doesn't work out for that client, I want to know that I've ended up with a painting that I've really enjoyed mm. and that I really like the composition as much as they do. Okay, interesting. So if a client comes to you with a photo that they've got of like something and they go, oh, I really love your work, can you paint this? So you don't do that? No, it's not how I work. And I'd say, I'm quite happy to say that now. Like it's not, you know, thanks for your interest, but it's not It's not for me. So, I, I mean, recently I was approached by a gallery who had a client who said, well, we really like her style. Would she be interested in painting this? Um, we've got an image of the Aurora over at Dunedin Beach. And my mm-hmm. first instinct was, oh, maybe I could give that a go. And the client ended up dropping out. And I remember just feel the relief I felt, I guess, cemented that mm. in my mind. That that's not what I, that's not how I want to work. No. So if they came to you and said, oh, I've got this photo I took of like a rose that I love, would would you just point back and say no? Or would you say, well, actually, I don't, I only use my own photos, but I'm willing to take some photos of roses. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I often have clients coming to me with an image that they've found saying, I want something that looks like and feels like this. And I say, that's, you know, it's really helpful, but I do okay. take my own images. And sometimes it might mean waiting for a season of a flower to come around in a year. So yeah. that can be a little bit tricky, but it's really important to me that I use my own photos and have complete creative control over the process. I find it really hard working from other people's images because it hasn't got the lighting that you want or necessarily yeah. the detail. Yeah, getting good photos has become something that I've really tried to focus on because the better the photo, the easier it is for me to paint from it. And yeah. people have got different ideas of what constitutes a good photo. Well, I think it's all of your creative property then, isn't it? Like yeah. the whole process becomes you, you know, your image, your your composition, your lighting, your photo. Everything has been dictated by you and what your end vision is. Yeah, I mean, and that's how it works for me. I don't think that that's necessarily how it's going to work for everyone. But that's, mm. I mean, it's it's that's an important part of the process for me. So I know you say you don't do commissions that much anymore, but I remember you did those um, lockdown walk commissions. What was that like as a process? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's right. In lockdown, we had, you know, not a very long lockdown here in New Zealand compared to the rest of the world, but we did have... Um, what was it like 12 weeks I can't even remember I can't remember we had a period of time when we were locked down and I thought um 
oh, just for my own piece, like my own sort of sanity, I painted a couple of paintings of photos I took on walks that I'd done. And people, I think I remember putting them on, on my feed, on my stories, and people like immediately wanted to buy them. And they were just small on paper. But I had this idea then of like, oh, maybe I can like do a thing where I get people to send me their photos of their walk um, on in lockdown and I can paint them for people. So I made a sort of thing on my website where I had a, I don't know, like 10 spots where they could purchase and then send me their photo. <laughs> now, the thing is, I didn't put a very high price on this because this was on paper and I was thinking I'd do them relatively quickly. Um, but all 10 spots sold very quickly the first time I did it. And and then I had all these, you know, photos sent to my inbox and they were some of them were quite challenging, I'll be honest. I hadn't really thought beyond what our experience of lockdown was where, where we live. It was kind of like you walk on the beach. It's very, very, like a very simple image. And there are people out there going for walks in forests with like, you know, multiple tiny trees. And... Um, uh, I, it was a really good challenge. Like it really did push me out of my comfort zone. And I was really surprised. Oh, this one painting with loads of tiny boats. <laughs> it, was, it just took me so long. Uh, it should have been like a price per hour or something because I definitely spent like five times longer on some paintings than the other paintings. But I think it was good. It definitely, it, it really did hone my observational skills in a way that I hadn't, flex that muscle for a really long time and you know I didn't have anyone one person came back to me and sent the painting back because I'd I'd forgotten to <laughs> um they were really lovely about it but I I'd forgotten to put their their child <laughs> in the picture um I thought that it wasn't a portrait <laughs> no it was just like a the tiny figure in it of a child and I thought that they had wanted the picture of the tree but but they wanted the picture of the tree with the child stood by the tree. And I don't know why, but it, I just, I made this assumption and this is the problem, you know, there hadn't been on my part enough communication. I had assumed that they didn't want the child and that they, I, <laughs> you know, when I got this email, I was like, we really love it, but um, where's our daughter? <laughs> and I was so, it was so hard because it was so tiny. And like, I had to paint this face with like, the sort of paintbrush that you had like three hairs on, you know, it was like, honestly, it was such a challenge, but you know, I did as best a job as I could. And, and, and as far as I'm aware, they were happy with the result, but yeah, it was definitely one of those things where, yeah, I kind of just went with the idea and didn't think it through as is my usual way. And then learned a lot, but you know, people were happy, but then lots of people were coming back to me and like, Oh, please, can you do some more? I, you know? And I, at that point was like, probably need to like rein it in because they're actually taking up quite a lot of time that I don't have and you know I started to not enjoy them as much because of that Mm. I think it's nice sometimes when you can just do short releases of something and see how you feel about it I kind of the one thing that I always think I always think this is that I always jump in headfirst into things and feel I always say to myself I'm going to learn from the process as I go but I never actually sit down like I still you know, eight years later, I haven't sat down and thought through my commission process. <laughs> so with pricing, Julie, um, 
when it comes to a commission, say you've got a meter by meter painting, is that a different sort of price that you would have as one that you're doing for yourself that you're going to sell on your website or give to a gallery to sell versus a commission? Or is it kind of a set price for both? So I think it's a set price and it's the same across the board with me. Um, And I think people often write wanting a commission, thinking that if they appeal to me directly that it'll be a cheaper price because they're not paying the gallery fees. But to be honest, a good gallery is doing so much work for you. So the amount of admin that goes into a commission, like we're talking a lot of emails, organising the image, um, organising the shipping, the framing, um, all of that stuff takes time and effort. And I mean, not to mention marketing and promotion that a gallery does for you that then I feel like I have to do extra in order to get the image out there of the work so that it sort of generates future work for myself. So I charge the same for a work that's in a gallery as to what you'd buy directly from me because it does take a lot of time that's interesting. I almost feel like commissions should be more than, you know, because of the amount of effort goes into them. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it. I hadn't thought of it from a point of view that people might want them for less. Yeah. I've had people write to me quite directly saying, seeing as we're not paying, seeing as, you know, the gallery doesn't need a cut, can we have it for... Oh, right. You know, thanks, but yeah, that... <laughs> my, my work's for this amount. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I just think it keeps it consistent then and yeah. like you say you are doing a lot of extra leg work yeah um, one thing I do do with pricing is that I give people an all-inclusive price so if they ask for a price I give them a price that includes the work the shipping framing duties and taxes because that's one thing I found early on is that if you said you know this painting will be several hundred excellent. dollars yeah. and then at the end you figure out if you haven't figured out how much the shipping will be in advance Sometimes people can be quite shocked at the cost of shipping, especially internationally, and then duties and taxes on top of that. You don't sort of want to be caught up at those last hurdles and to have a work return Mm. to you. And then, yeah, it's just so I give people one price that includes everything. That way there's no surprises later on. Did you – have you failed at that at the beginning then? Did you have No, I mean, look, the clients always took the work. But I had a few people that were surprised at how much duties, especially going into the UK, I think it was. There was one that was like – it was, yeah, several hundred dollars I had to pay on top of several hundred dollars of shipping. And I think I split the cost of the duties with them because I felt really bad. And then I was like, well, mm, I don't really want to do that to me. again. Yeah. I talk about price in the first email now so because I right. find that that's the big point where people will drop out. So even if they're not sure how big it's going to be, I would say, look, the most common size that I do for commissions is one metre by 1.2. And this would be, you know, usually around $5,000. Is that Okay. Because that way, if price is going to be a problem, I know it after the first email, not the 20th. Yeah. Yeah. So that is good because that's if if you've figured out that they, you know, will be, you know, either going yes or no, and you're never going to hear from them again after you've mentioned the price, then it sort of makes sense that that would be the first thing that you talk about not the 20th thing that you talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So in my first email to a client these days, I will mention price, even if it's just an in- indicative price, including shipping and framing. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned time frame. So at the moment I'm working like a year and a bit out on commissions. So I can't take anything on until 2024 20, now. And oh, then, okay. so that might put someone off, which I totally get. Um, what else to do? And my process so that they know what's involved, that I take my own photos. I'm not going to accept photos that someone else has taken and all of that sort of stuff that might lead for someone to drop out down the line. I think having a framework in place and really thinking about that is a lot 
more sensible going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I remember listening to a um, Susan Nethercote podcast recently where she went through her entire commission process and I remember thinking, right, that's how an <laughs> organised person would do these things. Well, this is how the professionals do it. <laughs> oh, I always tell myself that, you know, I do it from an email every time, not from like a, you know, pre-organised form because it allows me to have a personal touch. But every time I see like someone has a commission page or a frequently asked questions area, I'm like, yeah. that's such a good idea. Yeah. Well, then maybe we do that. Maybe we sort of nut something out and then have that as a resource or a framework. <laughs> yeah, update our websites. This yeah. is really just a how-to guide for ourselves. Yeah, because because I would like to I, – I mean, I do think it's important to broaden your income streams and – you know, listening to other people talk about commissions, it does seem like it's a good way of, um, you know, getting clients and and getting a kind of different regular income. But I guess I have, I've kind of been scared because of those times where they've gone wrong and I haven't really made much profit. I'm thinking I don't want to, and the, that anxiety of like, will they like it, won't they like it? So yeah. I need to sort of sit down really and think how can I make this process sort of like as clear and as you know that both of us are getting a good deal out of this both of us are going to get what we want both of us are going to have um an outcome that hasn't caused pain basically yeah yeah absolutely and I think frequently asked questions is one of the things that I know I'm lacking because I feel like I answer the same questions every time and it probably takes yeah. me like 10 to 20 minutes every time rather than just having one area where everything is answered once. Um, my, you know, current process probably won't be for everyone. Like I do think that you've got to find the process that works for you. And I think that one thing we might do is put up a list of recommendations for commissions, mm. but definitely only put in place the bits that make it comfortable for your process and then also, you know, if everyone else is saying, you know, I only take 20% deposit, but you find that you've got to take 50% to cover your materials or to make yourself comfortable because you've missed out a few times, then do it so that you enjoy it. Like there were lots of people saying, I did a few commissions, hated them, and now I don't do them anymore. I think, well, is there a way that you could have changed the process mm. to, to cover yourself, to make it enjoyable again, and also to take that financial sting out of um, when it goes wrong? Yeah. And time, you know, is such a valuable commodity. You know, you sit down once, you do something once that might take you an hour, but then it's done. So quite a few people wrote in about commissions where clients wanted something with a subject matter that would probably only appeal to that particular client, which I know you've had experience with, Phoebe, mm. which makes the work really difficult for resale if things go wrong. And I was shocked, not super surprised, at how many people just in our little fail community like that's only just begun he had clients that had paid a deposit and then ghosted when the balance became due and so I was trying to think mm. of what kind of how, like how to counteract yeah. that and the only idea I could come up with was that if you take the money in like a phased approach over time so like once you've done 50% of the painting you have 50% of the money before you continue on to the next bit but I mean that feels like a lot of work it does, and then I'm surprised that people do that if they've paid a deposit yeah. as well. Yeah, there was, there was at least, you know, five or six different people writing in saying this person paid the deposit, I did all the work, and then when the final amount was due, potentially maybe their deposit wasn't big enough, I don't know. Yeah. Because you What's were taking, your... I, I take 20. How much were you taking when you were doing them? 
I think I was only taking 20%. Yeah. I guess it depends how expensive the final piece is. You know, 20% of $100 is only $20. So some, you know, somebody might be starting out and doing only small pieces and for someone to pay $20 and then walk away. But if you're actually still putting a lot of effort into a small piece, or I guess if it's a smaller piece, perhaps take 50% deposit so that you've made at least half the money. Yeah. That's, that's a tricky one. Some people do get nightmare clients where they... Do, I, I've seen this actually on um, my uh, community that I'm in on uh, Facebook um, where people have done quite big paintings, you know, over, over 100 centimetres. And then... At the, and whether or not they've taken a deposit, I'm, deposit, I'm not sure. But at the end, the, the person has just sort of said, no, not into it. I've changed my mind. You know, I actually don't want it to be orange I want it to be blue and like and what do you do then you know like at what point do you go well well I'm not going to repaint it all Mm. you know and so I think someone said that they did have that happen and then they they just had to say well never mind here's your deposit back and then I'll sell this on my website so I guess that's why it's really really important to enjoy the subject matter that you're painting a commission of and feel like it is of in alignment with the rest of the work that you do so that you can sell it potentially to another person yeah I mean that that particular um listener who wrote in I quite like the ending to that one so she said she painted a second one for that same client and the client didn't feel the energy from it and then she ended that message by saying but I sold them both in a minute to some other people after posting it on her Instagram so I was like, well, that's a bloody good ending. But, yeah, God, what a nightmare. Two. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, so we go on to some listener fails because we actually got so many. We have got a lot to get through here and uh, we won't be able to read them all out. But thank you so much to everybody that did respond to the story um, post that we did where we asked for some um, listener commission fails. Julie, do you want to go first? Pick one. Yeah. Um, so we had one person write in, her name is Amy Marcy Art. She does really beautiful textual art. I definitely recommend checking her out. But so she'd organized yeah. a really huge piece of art for a man who was surprising his wife for their anniversary. Um, her first fail was that she read the date wrong on the contract. So she missed the anniversary. So oh, no. the client was great, said no problems. He loved the work. They were having a family re- re- reunion on a certain date. And she could re-deliver by that date. So that was awesome. Anyway, so she rented a U-Haul, loaded it up, drove it to Atlanta, Georgia to install it in his home. And then it turned out that she'd completely misunderstood. And it worked. he worked in Atlanta, Georgia, but he lived in North Carolina. Um, oh, my gosh. Are they really far apart? I'd have to. In I'd, America? I, I wish I knew. Um, I'm assuming that they I'm are Google because she now. says that he took an airplane several times to work. for. <gasps> so he forgave her. They even laughed about it and then she drove around from UPS store to FedEx store to create delivery services all around her town and turned out that none of them could ship the artwork Um, and there were varying reasons for that. But she must have been so stressed. She ends up driving the artwork back to her house, had a crate flight delivered to to arrive three days later. So in the end it made it and he was able to surprise his wife however she missed the family reunion she paid the <gasps> driver seven hundred dollars to have it delivered by a plane not to mention the u-haul gas childcare. and then she says she's very glad that one is behind her oh my gosh 
Um, so I had an anonymous uh, listener failure who writes that I was commissioned to do a woodcut for a teacher from a from a bunch of students. I sent them a photo of the print before I posted it to them and they told me that there was a spelling mistake. <laughs> Luckily, it was oh actually gosh. able to be fixed. Oh, oh, my goodness. All I can think of is that um, meme, and I'll have to reshare it, of the tattoo yeah. that says no regrets. <laughs> Oh, there's so many bad tattoo memes with bad <laughs> Oh, that's not fun. That's heartbreaking. I don't know how many people noticed the spelling mistake that I made in the reel where I couldn't even spell the word artist. <laughs> we did. An artist. I'm an artist. Any, okay, so do you have any quotes or anything that you want to share? Oh, I'm going to go with the nice, succinct one today from Samuel Beckett, which is try again, fail again, fail better. I just picked this one, which is really long. Okay, I'll just make myself a cup of tea. (laughs) It's not that long. Um, No, it's by Emily McDowell, who goes on Instagram by, I think, Emily and Friends. She does some great, beautiful work, lovely quotes and things. Um, She writes, remember that there is no such thing as failure. There is only learning. Sometimes you will end up learning what doesn't work, and that is okay. And sometimes what seems like a terrible failure will turn into be the best thing that ever happened to you, and the result will be better than anything you could have imagined. So there you go. There's no so such nice. thing as failure, Julie. We should change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> to come back. All right, I think we should wrap it up there. Thanks so much for listening in. Um, if you've enjoyed today's episode, um, take a pic of where you've been listening to it, share it on Instagram, tag us. Um, be awesome if you could uh, like, comment, share, write us a nice review, um, do all the things. Yeah. You've heard everyone else say it. Just pretend like we said it better. Yeah. Hop over hop over to Instagram. Give us a follow if you aren't already. Oh, we're at- uh, make sure you're subscribing. You can find us on Instagram at faillikeanartist. Um, oh, that's right. Oh, and you can that. find me. Okay, and you can find me on my website at Phoebe Dan- <laughs> Phoebe Dander. <laughs> always getting that wrong. I should have kept my maiden name. Um, <laughs> and you can find me over on my website at phoebegander.com or on Instagram at phoebegandaart. And Julie? You can find me over at www.juliebatisti.com or at juliebatisti on Instagram. All right, everybody. Thank you, and we will speak to you again um until next time thanks everyone uru bye Bye. (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i dribbled off there sorry but you like you had your train of thought and you could just see it walking away from you (laughs) my train of thought was like thomas going (laughs) (laughs) just never quite made it to the end of the track Which one of us is doing um, the show notes? <laughs> oh, God. I suppose that must be me because... <laughs> not it. You're doing a tag. You're doing all this. Thanks, not. Thanks, not. I'm going to start again. Had an anonymous... Bon- I had an... an-, 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 an- I had an anonymous...
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.